That would be crazy. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> we are going to share with you a few ideas right now, impromptu, on the spot, by request from a few friends who are in the car driving, who want to learn more about Tuba'av. Tuba'av is a little-known but very important Jewish holiday, which is taking place this Shabbos. And um, let's begin. Let's begin by looking at the the primary source in the in the Mishnah that talks about Tuba'av. Okay, you guys ready? It says in Tractate Tainus, it's about fasting, on page 26b, it says as follows. Lo hayu yamim tovim liyisrael kechamisha aser ba'av u kiyom kippurim. There were no holidays amongst the Jewish people that were as great as the 15th of Av, Tuba'av, and Yom Kippur. This is said by Rabbi Shimon ben Gamaliel, one of the Talmudic sages. Why? Why were these days so great? Shebehem benot Yisrael yotzis bekli lavan. Because on those days, Jewish girls would go out in Jerusalem dressed in white clothing that were borrowed. To not embarrass anyone that didn't have nice white clothing. So everyone borrowed white clothing. All the girls borrowed white clothing. And um, they would go out and they would dance in the vineyards of Jerusalem. Isn't that beautiful? And what did they say? Bechor, young men. Sana enecha. Lift up your eyes, vara ma'ata bara, and decide which one you want to choose. Ma'ata bara lecha, al titen enecha benoi. Don't let your eyes be fooled by beauty. Tene enecha b'mishpacha. Look at the family, as it says, shekara chen v'hevela yofi. Beauty and 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 charm. Are empty and vain. Isha Yiras Hashem, he says A woman who fears God, she should be praised. And they would say, And they said the end of the verse in um, that we say every week in Ashes Chayel, where we welcome in the Shabbos queen, the Shabbos bride, and we sing a song in praise of the Jewish woman. Tanula. Give to her mipriyada from the fruit of of her hands, Bahalaluha, and praise her, Basharim Maseha, in the gates of your accomplishments. And also they would say, All right, this is a, okay, continues. Fine. So that that's basically the uh, the statement. Okay. Sorry for going into it for so long. But basically the Talmud, the Mishnah says that on Yom Kippur. And on Tuba'av, Jewish girls would go out in beautiful white clothing that they borrowed from their friends so that no one would be embarrassed. And they would dance in the vineyards and they would say, young men, lift up your eyes and choose who you want. Don't be deceived by external beauty, but rather look at the family, look at the background and look at the spirituality of the women and choose. Interesting, right? 
So there's a few questions we can ask, and the Talmud goes and explains different things based on that. But just on the simple explanation, why is why are we celebrating s- marriage and soulmates and getting engaged on Tuba Av? And Yom Kippur is a different story, but let's address Tuba Av. Why specifically are we are these girls going out and dancing? And furthermore, isn't it a strange way, based on what we all know about Judaism, to choose your soulmate by looking at them dancing? Why are we doing that? Anyone? Let's let's see. Let's try to see. Let's try to understand. But it sounds like a very strange way to figure out who's has fear of heaven, who's who has Yiras Hashem, who has fear of Hashem, who has spirituality, who comes from a good family. If they're dancing around in white clothes, you don't know what family they come from. You don't know how much they love God or fear God. You just know their, how they look, <laughs> right? So it's very strange. It's very, very strange. So, <clears throat> so let's talk about Tuba Av. What's the significance of Tuba Av? So the Talmud tells us that 40 days before Yetzirah's Havlad, 40 days before the formation of a child, a bas call comes out. A heavenly voice decrees in heaven, bas ploni leben ploni, that this soul will be married to that soul. And essentially, it's declared 40 days before what's called Yetzir Savlad, which essentially means the formation of the fetus which takes place 40 days after conception. So essentially what the Talmud is telling us is that on the day of conception, at the moment of conception, there's a heavenly decree of who the soul that comes into the world is destined to be with. Your soulmate is decreed the day of conception. Well, we're not getting into exactly what that means right now because there are different explanations of what that means your soulmate and according to some explanations on different verses in the talmud you have a soulmate that's decreed upon your birth but you can actually by elevating yourself you can merit an even greater soulmate if you work on yourself so it doesn't necessarily mean that you're destined to marry only that person but it does mean that there is a person that is made for you at that moment based on your baseline status of your soul at birth. So why is that interesting to us now? Because if we do some math, we'll notice that Tuba'av actually corresponds to 40 days before an interesting event. What takes place 40 days after the 15th day of Av? So you guys good at math? Almost. So Tubav plus 30 brings us to the 15th of Elul. Another 10 days brings us to the 25th of Elul. What took place on the 25th of Elul? So what are we celebrating on Rosh Hashanah? Do you know, historically speaking, biblically speaking, what took place on Rosh Hashanah? On the first Rosh Hashanah? 
Very close. So on Rosh Hashanah, we say a prayer. Hayom Haras Olam. Today is the birth or the conception of the world. Today is the pregnancy of the world, essentially. Either translated as the birthday or the conception, of, the birthday of the world. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the world, essentially. But it's not exactly true. Because according to the Talmud, the world was actually created on the 25th day of Elul, six days before Rosh Hashanah. So what took place on Rosh Hashanah? What took place six days after the creation of the world? One day before that. Adam and Eve, the creation of the first human beings. So Rosh Hashanah, we call it the birthday of the world, but it really is the birthday of the purpose of the world, which is human beings. So human beings were conceived on Rosh Hashanah, were created on Rosh Hashanah. Six days earlier, the world was created. What? Well, when we say human beings, what, when the Torah says Adam and Eve <coughs> were created on the sixth day of creation, so there are different commentaries and explanations of what that means. Some will argue that it's the first humanoid beings that had a soul or a higher level consciousness. But for our intents and purposes, it means the first human beings like us who have the capacity to speak intelligibly and to conceive of spirituality in the way that we do have that potential. So human beings created in the image of God, possessing a speaking, breathing soul, which is a spark of God. Okay. And there are different sources that say there were other humanoid type beings before Adam and Eve. So don't get caught up in that. The first homo sapiens or whatever you want to call it, but the first human beings that possess our level of consciousness. Let's just say that to, for simplicity's sake. Okay? Took place on Rosh Hashanah. Six days before that was the creation of the world. So Tuba'av takes place 40 days before the creation of the world. And therefore, we can understand now that Tuba'av just like just like a a soul 40 days before it is it is actually begins the process of calling it a viable fetus an embryo 40 days before that on the day of conception a a a, a, pra, a heavenly voice cries out and decrees who that soul is destined to be part partners with so too 40 days before the creation of the world there is a heavenly decree. Essentially, Tuba'av is the conception of creation. And just like on conception of a human being, the heavenly voice cries out, who is destined for who? So too, on this day of Tuba'av, there's a decree in the world of literally the soulmates of all of existence. The destiny and the future of all creation is decreed on Tuba'af. So it's essentially a mini Rosh Hashanah. It's a precursor to creation. 
It's the conception of creation. Okay? Let me just take it one step further. That Shabbos, at the end of Shabbos, Shabbos is like a growing, it's a growing spiritual experience. You start on a baseline level and each meal of Shabbos goes up to a higher and higher level. So what's the highest moment of Shabbos? Shalashudas, third meal at the end of Shabbos. Why is it so high? So according to Kabbalah, Shalashudas is called Ravin de Ravin, which means a time of desire of desire or willpower of willpower. Ratzon of Ratzon. The word Ratzon in Hebrew means like your will. It's the highest part of a person is your will. Your will to exist, your will to be. So why is Shalashudas associated with that? So the world was created on Sunday. That means the world was created Motzi Shabbos. The world started after Shabbos. So what was God doing right before creation of the world? What was God doing on Shabbos, the Shabbos that never happened, the Shabbos that took place on day zero, before day one? What was God doing before the Big Bang, before creation of the universe, so to speak. What? No. Well, there weren't people yet. What What was God doing a second before he created the universe? Of course, there was no time before the creation of the universe. But so to speak, what was God doing before he created the world? So a split second before the creation of the world, God was desiring to create a world. The very first thing that God did before anything else, the first thing God did from the state of nothingness, from the state of complete oneness, the very first thing that God did, so to speak, in, in, in revel revealing himself from nothingness to something was in Kabbalah, what's called desire or crown, crown, keser, keser, which is the crown, which is the highest point in Kabbalah in the in the ten spheres, the ten emanations is something called keser, which is willpower. God was desiring to create a world that takes place before doing something. You desire to do it. You want to do it. So. Well, we don't know why really. But the answer that's revealed to us that we understand based on our own understanding is that God desired to create a world in order to give and share goodness with other. Olam chesed yibana, the world was created to give, to give to us the greatest possible experience of connection to God, of experiencing oneness. And you can hear more about that maybe in my podcast from, from yesterday. But... The idea is as follows, that right before Shabbos, the energy, right before Sunday, the energy coming into the world is the precursor to creation, which is the energy of willpower. That's why third meal, right before Shabbos ends, is a time to tap into the desire to transform yourself and create yourself anew. Because just like God was desiring to create a world Saturday night, we also can tap into that power of recreating ourselves 
every single Shabbos. And that's the idea of the third meal, to tap into will. But there's a step further, because if the energy of Saturday night is an energy of creation, of, of desire to create, so what month was the world created in? So there's actually a debate in the Talmud, but based on the direction that we're taking now, the world was created on the 25th of Elul. There's one opinion that says it was created in Nisan, another opinion says it was created in, in Tishrei, which really means the 25th of Elul, the end of Elul. So by that token, what was God doing before, for the time period before creation? For the month before creation? Based on what we just said. Desiring. Desiring to create. So the entire month of Elul is a month to tap into willpower and change and desiring to recreate ourselves and recreate the world. And that's why the entire time from Elul through the, the holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot is called Yemei Ratzon. You ever hear? Days of will. I don't know if we translate, we don't translate that into English. We call it days of awe, right? But it's in, according to Jewish law, it's actually called the days of will. Yemei Ratzon. The days of favor, days of divine, of divine connection. Because that's the time of tapping into willpower. So now, let's go back to these girls dancing in the field. Okay? So there's a lot to be said here, and there's a lot of different things. The Talmud goes through five different things that took place on Tuba'av. I'm explaining a Hasidic interpretation, which it's a day of conception for the world. But why, do, why are boys supposed to be looking at girls to determine who has fear of God? So I think perhaps the answer is in the, the words that the girls say. They say, Su Na enehem, lift sana enehem, lift up your eyes, because you see we can see things with our physical eyes and get stuck in the body, or we can learn to lift up our eyes and to look past the body at the soul, and we have the ability, just like the eyes of the window of the soul, we have the ability to see deeper. Probably, probably. So um, it's it's, but it's not just seeing the aura; it's seeing it's seeing the the truth about who a person really is. And the, there's a, there's an amazing idea. This this ties into this week's parsha, which we talked a lot about in the previous podcast. That there's a verse in Psalms that says, "Su marom enechem, lift." up again the same word lift up your eyes and look above look at the heavens vara mi bara ela and see who created these lift up your eyes and see who created these if you look at the the letters of that verse mi bara ela who created these has the same letters as elo him, God. And the verse in, in Psalms is telling us, King David is telling us, lift up your eyes 
and look at the world of nature and recognize who created nature, Elohim, the name Elohim. What's the significance of the name Elohim? Again, if you want to go deeper into this, please listen to the previous podcast. We talk all about it. The name Elohim is a very interesting name. It's translated as God, but it doesn't mean God. What's unique about the name Elohim, if you know a little bit about Hebrew grammar? It's plural. Who created the world? Elohim, it means gods with an S. Or, or more literally, the word Elohim also means forces. So you mean to tell me the verse in Tehillim is telling us, look at the world and see who created this world? And hidden in the verse is gods. One second. I thought we believe in one God. So we look at the verse. Look at what's the verse? What's the Jewish mantra? The Jewish Pledge of Allegiance in which we declare our belief in monotheism. What do you call that? What's that called? Shema. The Shema, which says God is one, there's one God. Itself says Hashem, which is Yud Kevavke, the source of everything, source of all existence, what was, what is, what will be. Elokeinu is our gods, plural. Hashem is one. How could you tell me Hashem is one if Hashem is our gods? So the answer is just superficially, and I refer you, please listen to the last class on this week's Parsha, is that. Elohim is the numerical value of Hateva, which means nature. You're on your way to a Shabbaton and a farm. Okay, Elohim is the numerical value of nature. Elohim is the mask that God wears to clothe himself and hide himself in the world of nature. So when we look at the world, we see many gods. We see many forces. We see multiplicity. Our job when we meditate on the Shema is to recognize everything is Hashem. Even though it looks like the world is controlled by many forces, they are all one. They are all part of one divine reality. And that is why we close our eyes when we say the Shema. Because the world blinds us from Hashem's oneness. We don't see Hashem's oneness. That's why we cover our eyes. But we know that ultimately everything is one. So when the verse in Tehillim says, lift up your eyes and see who created this, it means see deeper. Don't see with your physical eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes to see with your spiritual eyesight, or in other words, insight. Not excite, insight. The sight that sees deeper, that sees from the soul, from the ever-knowing consciousness of the internal world and recognize that although Elohim, the forces of nature look like a plurality, looks like are controlled by many different gods, there's really one source to everything. So I believe that's what's taking place on this day is we have the ability to see deeper, to see through to the soul. And that's the message of Tuva'av. That's the message of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day of disconnection from the physical in order to connect to the spiritual. 
And in, in many ways, Yom Kippur is also a day of soulmates. Do you know why? What took place on Yom Kippur? On Yom Kippur. So let's do some math again. Okay? The sin of the golden calf took place on what day? Moshe went up to Mount Sinai on, ah, wait, not yet, no, not yet. Moshe went up to Mount Sinai around Shavuot's time. He stayed for 40 days and 40 nights, came down with the two tablets on the 17th of Tammuz, saw the Jews worshiping the golden calf, smashed the tablets, went back up for another 40 days, prayed that the Jewish people would be forgiven. Comes back down on, let's do some math, 17 of Tammuz, um, 10 plus brings us to the next month of Av, another 30 brings us to Rosh Chodesh Elul. Rosh Chodesh Elul, he comes down, we are forgiven. He goes back up for another 40 days on Rosh Chodesh Elul comes back down on Yom Kippur with the second tablets. So Yom Kippur essentially represents the day of our wedding to Hashem. That didn't take place. The wedding that took place on Shavuos was a broken engagement. That, wed that marriage didn't last very long. But the wedding that took place on Yom Kippur, that was permanent. So Yom Kippur is also a day of soulmates because it's a day of our marriage to Hashem. So we should all be blessed this Shabbos to connect to our deeper self, to our deepest self, to our true self, to who we really are, and to learn to see each other, not with our physical eyes, which see a body, which see negativity, which see our, each other's fallings and failings and flaws, and instead learn to see the greatness that lies within each other, which we can only see with our spiritual eyes, with our insight, by lifting our eyes up and seeing beyond the body. That's our message for this Shabbos and to take us into, into the whole year. And the whole world should merit a conception, a good conception, this Tuba'av, for a new year, a new year of blessings, a new year of harmony and goodness. As the Rebbe Rev Melech, the famous Eli Melech of Lezhensk, the first Hasidic Rebbe in Poland, he has a special prayer uh, uh, to be said every day. And in that prayer, he says, Please, Hashem, let me see the mailas chaverenu velo chesronam. Let me see the good qualities. The word maila is the same word. It means elevated, lift up. The elevated qualities in my friends and not their lacks. We should all be blessed to see each other's good qualities and, most importantly, to see our own good qualities. And if we're able to do that, then we can really and truly build a year of incredible blessings for all of us.